What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hustle Project Podcast. This is your host, Nick Marcos, and this is my newest project where I'm sitting down with local business owners and community members who truly embody the hustle mentality. We're going to dive in deep and get their amazing stories of the ups, the downs, and everything in between. So whether you're an entrepreneur, you want to be an entrepreneur, or you're just someone who enjoys hearing the stories behind our community's movers and shakers, this is the podcast for you. So tune in and take pride knowing that we have these great people with incredible stories living right here in our neighborhood. Make sure you tune in weekly for our newest episodes. For more information, check out our website, hustleprojectpodcast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hustle Project Podcast. Enjoy this week's episode, guys. You guys celebrated your mother's 92nd birthday. Mother's 92nd birthday. Right. That's, that's awesome. Amazing. Congratulations Thank to, you. what's her name? Madeline. To Madeline, who is the, technically the founder of Kowloon? Or? Well, my grandparents were, and then my mother and father took it over from them. Okay. So my grandparents started it in 1950. Oh, wow. It was a... Uh, 50-seat restaurant back then, and uh, my mother and father uh, took it over from them in 1958. So your your grandparents are from where originally? China. So Can't both grandparents? China. Right. From China? Yeah, both sets of grandparents from and, China. And when they came here, what, what was it for? Do you remember? I mean, because my parents came for uh, economic opportunities. So do you know what their reasoning was? Well, I think it was just basically to maybe set, do a... Uh, Set up for a better life for, for just the, a better family, life. right? Like every, like, right. so, like most, like right. most, immigrants. most immigrants back right. then, right? Yeah, America was the land of opportunity, and, and they and came. They came. Why Saugus? Uh, actually, it wasn't Saugus. It was Boston. Oh, it was Boston, right? It was Boston, and he, my grandparents on my father's side, they owned a restaurant right next to Symphony Hall. Oh wow! Yeah, that was that was way back in the days, and even during the war, and so business was great, and it was called the May Fong Restaurant right next to Symphony Hall. And what what kind of cuisine was it? It was Chinese cuisine. It was Chinese cuisine, right? But they had a little bit of American style, like sandwiches and things like that, because naturally the palate of the American people weren't really used to it wasn't Chinese developed. food, right? right not, yeah. <laughs> not like it is today. So uh, they had a restaurant there, and uh, the opportunity came where. Um, my on my mother's side, her parents bought the restaurant in Saugus. Wow. Um, and they were in the restaurant business as well. But they bought the restaurant in Saugus, and uh, my, my mother and father, you know, eventually decided to take it over from them in 1958. And from there, they expanded from 50 seats to what it yeah, is Yeah, because today. from what I originally, from, from what I know, just living on the North Shore, and of course, who doesn't know about Kowloon's if you live on the North Shore? Um, it's it's like uh, it's the biggest probably la- biggest landmark on Route One, um, but coming you know coming from from a, a, a local family seeing the the restaurant coming up from the beginning, you know y- you wonder like where did where did all this stuff start like how what is the story behind this because this is a this is something that's been in the same family now for how many years in total this is going to be 70 years next year will be our 70th year right so and that's and just unprecedented that's amazing i mean there's other restaurants like that but still it's it's uh but you're not, operating not normal yeah not you're operating normal. at a very high level you know right. typically people cycle like businesses cycle through they 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 open up they have a buzz they they grow uh, they expand and and then sort of they hit cruise control and eventually they just die off right. there are very few businesses that can keep it going this long for 70 years uh, never mind at that level that you're operating on. I mean, I heard more recently, and we'll get into it, I guess, later, but you've even now expanded your outdoor uh, seating area. Right, tiki I mean, bar. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> it's expansion is always on your mind. But So your mom and dad took over this business, and it, it was something that they probably saw paramount to helping them achieve their goal of, of raising and, and right. having you know the American dream. Um, what what was ex- What did you experience growing up in sort of that culture that helped you sort of prepare for being the next generation of owners? Well, I, I don't know if it was being prepared, but you, you see your parents, and then you don't think it's not normal. You know, you see your parents getting up and, you know, going to work, and you hardly see them. You know, they would come home late. By the time that you get up in the morning, go to school, this will be sleeping. Mm-hmm. When you come home, they'll be gone. Right. You know, so that type of thing. They'll be working seven days a week, right. open to close, that type Just of thing. Just leading by example. 
Well, yeah, but you never thought of it as being unusual because you grew up with like that. Right. So, you and know. I totally understand. I have the same the same situation. You know, your father gets up 5 a.m., gets home 9 p.m. You know, yeah. you were lucky if he came to a, a soccer game or if, or a basketball well, game. My my mother and father never went to one game, right. not one literally game. I'd be point and and you didn't think anything. You weren't like feeling deprived. Uh, other kids would have their parents there, and right. But you understood. Big deal. Big you, deal. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was not a big deal, but. You know, you, you they'd be sleeping when you wake up, and if you needed um, a note signed, you know, you wake them up and say, "Oh, sign right here," and they sign it. You know, <laughs> so opening day, we'd go to the Red Sox game and say we were sick. We sign, make a little note saying that we were sick. Oh, no kidding! <laughs> we wake up my mother and father, sign here. They would know oh, we're signing. Because they couldn't read English very well. No, they could read, but they were they so, just tired. so tired. Right, they're so oh, tired. Okay, and yeah. They trust us. Sign yeah. here. My <laughs> excuse note that I'm sick. Okay, so we signed and we go to the game. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I mean, I remember being in that kind of situation. My, my dad couldn't read very well either. Right. You know, so we would we would always try to pull stuff up, but he was too sharp. He yeah. always he could tell by the way you presented it. Usually, right. um, that's a very cool story. But were your parents like really adamant about you and uh, your fa- your siblings taking over the restaurant? Was no, that something? Not at all. I mean, they, not once did they mention that they were they were grooming us to to take over the restaurant. I remember my first experience working was you know they they wanted a dishwasher, so it, you know you thought it was fun. So you go in there and you help your parents and you wash dishes. You get on the little milk crate because you couldn't reach the top. How old are you at this point? Probably like thirteen or fourteen. Mm-hmm. You know, no child labor laws back then. Right. But well, it's your family. <laughs> right. Right. Different laws. Right. Different laws. And and you wash dishes and you know whether or not you you kept that up or not, but you felt proud that you were working for your and help. You think you are helping yeah. your parents. So um, then it got to a point where you know you you do little odds and ends. You do take out, and then finally they came to a point where you know the the business was growing and they needed somebody to you know take names. They couldn't write their names when there were people waiting for right. a table. So my mother one day said, "Bobby, would you like to come by the restaurant and take names on a Friday night?" I go, sure. I didn't even think of it. I right. was 16 years old yeah. back then. So. Probably just excited to be... Oh, yeah, like, exactly. To, exactly. To, to be a part of it. Exactly. And, and also to to have... to have. Uh, it's like asking a kid to go play a sport. If you have an entrepreneurial spirit, right. when you invite them to work, to right. do something, like a task like that, th- right. you get all riled up about it. Right. Did your parents ever... So they, they weren't really... It wasn't a mandatory thing that you it had to work not at a man- restaurant. They never even said they were grooming us and we'd like you to eventually take over. That They would never even pass... And so, how, how many of you got? How many siblings are there? The six siblings. The six of you guys. You're not right. all involved in the business. Uh, we are. Oh, you are all involved. Yeah. Okay, so I know yeah. one of your brothers is uh, is a state rep. Right. And that's Donald. And uh, he used to work full time at the restaurant, and actually helped run a couple of the other um, satellite restaurants we had at one time. And uh, he decided to go into politics. And yeah, really cool. Right. I'd love to have him on the show sometime. Yeah, he's a good guy. <laughs> he is good guy. I've heard good things about him. But uh, back to where I was going. So the six of you guys. Um, and uh, how, like, what kind of age differences are there? Um, it's funny. I always forget people's <laughs> ages, but my sister's probably 70, and I just turned 70. Um, I'm 64. My brother's a couple years older than me, so he's probably 66, 67. Um, my brother behind me is a year and a half behind me. My sister's probably like a year or two behind him. Okay, so between young, 60, yeah. everybody's between yeah. 60, so it's within a 10-year span. Yeah, exactly. And is that, like, is that the time, so... Is that the era where Kowloon's had its biggest expansion? When you say, guys were sort of like the young, ambitious? Um, no. No? Um, it was probably just before we started going, you know, getting involved. Because my mother and father, they actually added, started adding on to the restaurants once they got it in 1958. They started adding little by little. They didn't do a big, huge uh, mm-hmm. development. So they added on probably about four or five times. And the last time was probably in the 70s. So okay. I was probably still in college then. So. Okay, so so what we see now on right. Route One, that basically basically ended in the seventies. Right. Oh, okay. So prior to that, it was always smaller and getting bigger right. to, to to that size. So um, you guys weren't even ready to sort of participate at that level no. in the business, anyways. No. Okay. So, so my father. And so your mom and dad yeah. are the ones who did yeah, the, they did the, the heavy the, lifting. Yes, they did. They did the heavy I, lifting. Yeah. I, I didn't expect that because. You know, that, that was a different era in, in economic time. Like, it wasn't right. as prosperous of times as, say, the 70s up to the, up to the 90s. Uh, well, we, we, I guess the competition was different, too. Compet- so, maybe you know. that's it. What, but regardless, but they did um, build, sort of do a lot of that, that foundational yeah. work. Exactly. Um, before exactly. you guys got it. And, and Madeline, your mom, right. 
is is she still involved at all? Uh, well, she'll come. By, she'll well, she's slowed down. She's ninety two, like I said, but she'll try to come by at least once a week. You know, just to check up on things. Check on things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Make sure we show up. <laughs> That's really that's really cool. Um, so, what position in particular do you kind of have right now? That's uh, funny. We 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 never had designated positions like um, CEO, right, right, general right. manager. We, everybody we, was just everybody doing everything. Everybody's a manager. Well, no kidding. My brother and I own uh, my auto factory together, and and we go to we kill each other every once in a while. Yeah, but well, I, that I, happened. Yeah. I'll tell you right. That's I'll tell you. We we get to the point where we're now. It's it's finally okay. All right. It, we're at this age now. It's like it's nothing. Time really for matters. forgiveness. No, yeah. Nothing <laughs> matters. But during the twenty, when we we're in our twenties and thirties, you know, it was got contentious. Yeah, it, it, it could be right because everybody has a sort of their own opinions on what direction right. the store should right. be going in, and right. and you know, and who some and and a lot of people might not understand this. Some may, but in in some cultures, you know, being an eldest son or daughter gives you priority. Like, th- there's no question you can't argue, even if you're smarter or. Or, or better at a task, sometimes the person who's born first gets priority right. on things. Does right. that the, happen in your family? In the Greek culture, um, it happens. It didn't yeah. happen in my family yeah. or a lot of the families that we associate ourselves with, but it's, it's, yeah. it happens all the time. And I know in the Chinese culture, it, it happens. It's, yeah, but in my, in my family, the, it, didn't. it didn't happen. It didn't, that structure yeah. didn't happen. Right, so. and, and, and that's a great thing because it forces you guys to all work together in, right. in harmony, and, and it's right. um, really cool. So, so talk to me about when you guys first took um, the business over. From your parents, how did that happen? Well, when did they decide? Because well, it's it, it was nothing was really like there was no line that the date that it happened. It was just it was always a gradual thing. Even in the seventies, when my mother and father were still adding on and building the empire, they had great people working for them. So it wasn't as as if my father was behind the line cooking still. Right. He was out in the front, and they were able to take a lot a lot more time off than they were. It was flourishing. Right. It was flourishing. And they had great people in the right spots, great managers. And like any organization, that's, it's all about the people. Mm-hmm. And you know that. So. Of course, yeah. Um, so they had great people working for those. So when we were graduating from college, um, I graduated. And, you know, it's funny. I did, even when I first enrolled at UNH, I had no idea what I was going to do. <laughs> so then I, I woke up one day and said, well, I was going to take business. And then I realized UNH had a hospitality, restaurant hospitality. Oh, okay, yeah. And I said, I'll take that. And so I took that and then I said, well, this looks like the way at the path I'm going. And right. my mother and father never persuaded me to do anything. I took those uh, courses, graduated, and then I said, I'm going to start in the business full time. Yeah. You know, I was working every weekend anyway from college. I'd take the bus down and work every weekend. Right. So Like a good son would. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so eventually, slowly it happened that your parents backed away and backed away and, and right. you guys and you guys took it over right yeah well, well because uh, the reason i ask and and what surprises me the most is how reluctant a lot of old timers are to retire because it's yeah. about more than the money it's about the passion for what they're doing and, right. and it keeps them alert and it keeps them you know it's like if right. it's something you love you they, love it, and they did it all their life but i i, I really hands in my mother and father they were able to just step back right we well, made mistakes it doesn't sound like mistakes. they were um t- Typical of that, the majority of the clo- more closed-minded immigrants that come over, they seem to be more progressive-minded right. immigrants, which you st- you know right. is really cool to see because back then, even even as a as a culture itself, America is far more progressive than China, right? Right. So it was even um, it was very difficult that um, that you would find a lot of American families with that mindset right. of being so hands-off. Um, never mind a Chinese or right. a Greek family. So it's really cool to have an experience where you grew up with parents that were progressive-minded. Especially when I see other people with family businesses that I know of, and I, and I see how they're, you know, they're contemporaries of mine, but their parents were much more mm-hmm. controlling. Yes. They had to be part of it all the way through, whereas my parents, it was like almost like natural regression. They just slowly... Beautiful. That's yeah. the way it has to work. That, to right. me, is, in my opinion, is the only way it works. I mean, my parents owned a diner for 35 years. We talked briefly before it started, the podcast started. But, you know, towards the end, it was, a, it was more of a labor of love. They were going to work because they didn't... They were playing the we just don't want to lose game anymore. Right. And when right. you start playing the we don't want to lose game, it's not exciting. It's not... Yeah. You don't enjoy work anymore. And what's the point of working all those years to get to that point? Right. Right. So anyways, so it's really cool. Um, that's quite an experience probably to have. So when you guys um, unofficially started to take it over, um, <laughs> what, what was your initial intention? What, what, do you guys well, have any just, grand plans? Well, or? just to grow the business. And um, one of my plans was to expand. And so we actually, and my father was 
you know, even though he wasn't in yeah, he was day still, to day, he, he was, he was the big influence. He, right. my mother and father were the mentors and they were still like the people that gave me their input. How long ago did your dad pass away? In 2011. Oh, recently. Right. Yeah, right. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, that's okay. He was 88. So he was 88. Good guy. <laughs> so anyway, uh, my goal at that point was to kind of expand the business, um, not necessarily the Kowloon brand, but we went into fast food locations, and my goal was to kind of like open a, a ton of fast food locations in the malls. So yeah. we, we started with that, that when, when direction. When is this? What years? Probably 1980s. Oh, so prime yeah. time. Like, right. this is when malls are getting hot. Right, exactly. Mall and, culture is... Right, and the rents weren't crazy like they are sometimes right. now. But again, I think that might be going back the other way because of the malls are a little yeah. bit out they, of favor. They're now. hurting right. now. Yeah, you're right. right. But so we were in, like, the Burlington Good Mall. Good time to open up <laughs> <laughs> Open something in the mall now. <laughs> but uh, we opened in, like, the Burlington Mall, Liberty Tree Mall, the Mall in New Hampshire, the Copley Place, Downtown Crossing, things like that. So yeah, I didn't we know were this. expanding. Uh, we opened in, uh, you know, a couple other restaurants. Another one in Brockton, and so we were all under the Kowloon name. No, they, they were oh. different. They, oh, okay. We didn't have anything under the Kowloon name except the one in Copley Place. It was called the Kowloon Cafe, oh, but cool. everything else was different names, different, different names. branded. Right. Uh, we felt like keeping the Kowloon special is. Uh, yeah, I love that. One thing. Well, here, thing. case in point, I'm a I'm a ch- I'm a kid. I grew I'm born in the '80s. I grew up in the '80s and '90s. Right. I never heard that this happened. <laughs> to Kowloon's because really? it didn't happen to Kowloon's, right? It yeah. happened to another brand that was owned by Kowloon. Right. So, I mean, the, the yeah. fact that it didn't work out yeah. had no negative impact right. but to they, most people. Well, actually, they did work out. Um, we ran the course that most... Every, uh, oh, they did? Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. They yeah. all went 10 years in their lease. And, oh, okay. This is a... You know, some of them we renewed and some of them we did decide not to. We were all in the food courts right, at that right. time. It's interesting you say this. Um, yeah. a, few, um, a few episodes before you, um, I had a... Um, a gentleman on his name is Tony Betancourt, and he owns a company. They do meal preps where they, okay. they create the meals, and then they deliver them to your home. Okay. Um, it's more for athletes, people who, wanna, who are portion-controlled, want to eat healthy. Okay. He does a phenomenal job. He's a, he's, a, he's a very good chef. But we were talking about how there are business models that actually have uh, literally have an expiration date in mind. So yeah. when they open, they have a 10-year run. Yeah, and that's they, it. they know they're going to turn a profit on year two, and they're going to have eight years right. of, uh, you know, so... Right. Is that what, that's what you guys were doing, well, sort we, of? Well, some of the locations we flipped um, after 10 years, and then the lease came up. We saw the lease, uh, the rent was going crazy. Right. We said, no, nah, we don't want to do that. So we don't want to work for the landlord, right. if you want to put it that way. So we flipped them. Uh, we were in Faneuil Hall for quite a while. When Faneuil Hall first opened, uh, we were there, and we actually re-upped a few times because it was profitable and oh, okay, we yeah. liked that location. And then got to a point where the rent was getting a little crazy. We said, no. We won't do that enough again. Is enough. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Hard to have that kind of discipline. Right. Because a lot of guys are so worried about their ego. Right. You know, and saying, well, we don't want to close or flip it because perception might be that it wasn't good successful when in reality you had a whole different plan. Right. <laughs> right. right. So it's, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So was that the, the bulk of the expansion that you guys did? So, um, yeah. Most of it was other As if it wasn't enough. Right? No, that wasn't. <laughs> it was <laughs> enough, but it was other big And, um, so then uh, we, we, you know, we, we had a little lull where we just took care of business and, you know, we, we didn't, then we decided to own the food truck business uh, recently, right. last year, and yep. then, you know, expand outside to the Tiki Bar. So. Yeah. And so um, in between all that time, um, it was more just sort of refining and adjusting to the changing econ- economic times. Because in the past 20 to 30 years, I mean, never mind the fact that you've chosen to expand or contract, you've also had to manage to survive a lot of ups and downs, right? right? Mm-hmm. And those challenges seem to be, almost the perception is the bigger the business, the more you can you can handle, like uh, ups and downs. And when you're a small business, you suffer so much more because you're a small little business. But, you know, you being sort of at the top of the food chain on the North Shore for restaurants or even in Massachusetts for restaurants, talk to me a little bit about what the economic cycles have what kind of an impact that's had on you and uh doing go up and down recessions yeah, during and, these recessions well, the past 30 years because my i've seen it with my dad firsthand you know you, the boom in the 90s you know my life was when every time the economy got good yeah things got good for us right and when, when it the was economy bad, tanked, it was bad it was bad for it was us bad. 
directly when you're when you're a family of entrepreneurs that because you literally survive off the pulse of the economy. Right. When you have a job, you just get your check every week. Right. Right. But, or you get laid off. Or you get laid off. Right. <laughs> right. So you know, but that wasn't an option. So no. That was, well, or you close the restaurant. <laughs> right. That's the case. In the worst case, case. Right. Worst, worst case, case scenario. scenario. So you guys must have experienced a lot. Of oh yeah, we've, we've gone through. Uh, you know, what's you, it like? You, it, it's not, it's not it's not great because you're looking at you know you're always looking at sales. Right now things are great. You know and things are you know on the upswing. But, you know, there was times that, you know, you have a recession and we've gone through two or three at least during mm-hmm. the time that I've been around. And each time it's like, okay, you got to tighten your belt. You got to tighten your belt. But the fortunate thing is that we own the property. You know, right. that's one of the things we talk. I talk about other people that own restaurants that own the property. It's like, or anybody right self-employed. Now, if I had to build a restaurant and pay rent on that location and not paying yourself rent, but, you know, paying someone else rent, it would be really tough. It would right. be tough because the, the models change, you know, it's like the labor costs is higher, everything else is higher. But going back to your question about recessions, I remember the, can't remember which one it was. That's how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't the Great Depression. I didn't no. <laughs> no, you missed it. <laughs> I missed that one. But, but anyway, there was one time that we were going through a, um, a tough recession and we were still, you know, we weren't like in the red. We weren't going right, to be, right. you know, but we realized that, you know, we had to do something just to keep the cash flow going. So, we all took a cut and pay, you know, right. and we wouldn't lay anybody off. That's one of the things that we always said. Oh, wow. We never laid a person off. And um, we said, we'll take a 10% cut and pay and see how that lasts. You know, we went through a couple of years. All of you guys. The, 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 the siblings, right? Yeah. Right. We agreed to do that to get the cash flow going, even though we weren't in the going to sink. Right. But it wasn't what you, it wasn't where you guys needed to be. We weren't comfortable. Yeah. Right. We weren't comfortable. So we said, we'll take a 10% cut and we'll see how it goes. And then we restored it when things better and that, that, that happened. Right. You know, so. That, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And, but we, we made a pledge. We wouldn't lay people off, you know. So. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that speaks, I mean, we could go on that for just for hours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just alone. I mean, it's, the place is there. It exists now in, its for, in the form it's in because of all the things you guys have been doing right for so many years. Well, but the One of them is treating your employees right. right. And we've had employees there for 30, 40, 50 years. That's what I mean. Yeah. And we, I talk about having a strong culture. Right. You know, it's paramount. When you have a business, strong culture is the root. It's the roots. Right. It's what holds it all together, right? right? So no matter how, how, how big you grow... You know, if you have strong roots, it, it can handle that. And that's what that culture is. And to have employees that have worked for you for 40, 50 years, 30 years, right. I mean, they're there and they stay there for a reason. It's because it's good. You treat people right. I mean, that, that speaks for itself. And I think that that's why, you know, it, it exists in the, in the way it does. But to you, that was never an option, right? Because when you grow up in a family where your parents' livelihood depends on the performance of other people, right. then you're motivated to... Make right. their lives good. Yeah, it, it was almost not like uh, something that we, you know, it was just second nature. You know, right. We saw how my parents had people who were very loyal to them and uh, just worked, you know, worked for them. And then just kind of like an extension of that. When we took started taking over, we treated people hopefully the same and they would stay. I remember the great blizzard of, was it 76? Oh, 78. 78, okay. 78. Oh, you forgot <laughs> was, that one? I was alive. <laughs> <laughs> we actually opened. We were one of the only restaurant. Uh, and we actually had employees that would drive in from Boston to, to work those shifts, too. So even to, when everything else was closed. In the blizzard of 78? Yeah. We, one, I mean, of, one of my employees lived next to uh, a police station right down in the south end. And so he went up to the captain and says, oh, we, 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 we have to open. So the captain gave him a special pass to drive the... the the truck, the, oh, the through. van, the, through. Oh my God! So we were able to open throughout the. Was I mean, I wouldn't do that today. That's, no, no, I'm, no. That's but it was crazy. But it just shows the loyalty of the. the yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember many a days. Employees back then. There being a blizzard outside and finishing being, you know, my dad wouldn't buy a snowblower when I was a young kid. Yeah. He just wouldn't spend the money. Yeah. And we, and the crazy part is, he didn't know that they sold shovels specifically for snow. Like you know what I mean? Like he didn't yeah. like. He just thought if you had a shovel, you could snow. So when we were young kids... We had the, the ditch digging. Yeah, shovel. we had to yeah, use yeah. the shovels that you used to, to move dirt, yeah. not snow. So Those they were heavy, heavy metals heavy, with, yeah. the, with the really strong... Uh, dense wood handles. Right. So we used to use those. And um, and when we were done, it, we were never done. Then we had to go to the restaurant 
Yeah, and do that one. And do that one too. <laughs> and we had to clean that one out. Right. And then we could go home and hang right. out. You know, when the rest yeah. of our friends would shovel and then they'd go yeah. play in the snow, right. we had to shovel and then go right. shovel again. Right. Because that's the mentality, that hustler's mentality right. for that generation. Yeah, well, I remember that's I used to love it when it snowed. I said, not only do you shovel your own, then you go walking around the neighborhood and trying some to shovel extra cash. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you had time for it, but I think we yeah. all did that as, yeah. young, as young boys yeah. um, in particular. As well as my paper route. I remember that. So. Yeah. Like, so... Um, so you managed to withstand obviously a lot of economic downturns and, and on the flip side, the economic upturns, um, were, were clearly abundant too. Like there was a lot of good times in the past 20, 30, 40 years. Right. Um, what pops out at you the most as sort of being like the, 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 the golden era of Kowloon's because it, even growing up, it's been, it's been, you know, t- 35 years, 40 years that I've been around, you know, that right. I've seen. You know, but with the coming of the comedy, like, what well, it's funny that the, the, the and, and again, it, it's really not when I was really, you know, my parents weren't involved, but I always think of the golden era was when my parents were still involved. Okay. And I was working for my uncle at the door. I would be at hosting at the door with my uncle who was in charge of the dining room. And he was really a... So is this, is this like bell bottoms smoking yeah, inside? Yeah, exactly. It was back in the everybody <laughs> smoking cigarettes. Exactly. Butterfly everybody, collars. Everybody had to have a jacket. Oh if they went my god! Yeah, I can music. see this. It was. I felt like that was the golden era. And Cocktails flowing. Everybody's smoking. Yeah, inside. and it was a two-hour wait, and people would wait. Nowadays, you wouldn't wait two hours for. Right. Of course. <laughs> right well, it's just right. it's not socially acceptable. They no. would. People would still wait two hours to eat yeah. galoons, but right. you know they no. feel dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Now, but back then they would wait two hours because again they weren't. You know, fifty restaurants right, exactly. you know, in, within a mile. But so that was that was the magical. that was the that was the, that was the golden time. And I I didn't have I wasn't in charge back then. I was just a stupid little kid taking mm-hmm. people's names down on a wait list. You know, on Friday and Saturday nights. But but it's Kowloon's and everybody, all the big names are coming, right? right? So you must have run into it was, some really. It was almost glamorous. It was very glamorous, and people would be dressing up. Mm-hmm. Everybody would dress up, and it was an event to go out. And it's kind of like with with my yeah, it was family. an event. It was an event to go out. Exactly. No, I yeah. never went out with my parents, you know, unless it was something special, you know. Right. Today, everybody goes out just because it's Monday. Yeah, you know? correct. So. And 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 that's interesting you say that because, um, you know, with the Kowloon's of now versus the Kowloon's of old. Right. What do you see in this new? Like, what do you see being the the golden era in this new era? Like, do you oh, see? Gee. Well, I yeah, I, I do. Right now, I, even now, it's a great time, you know, and uh, I think, you know, it's a little more work. I didn't think I would be working this hard at this age. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds to me like a choice, but anyways, well, 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 yeah, it's I a know. different it, debate. It's almost like, right, exactly. Yeah. It's like, you know, you keep stabbing yourself. It's, it's like, it's, you know, it's, I don't know what it is. But it's the passion. I think it, I it think, is. I think it it's is. what it's what keeps things going, and it also is what keeps yourself proving yourself right all the time. Well, I, I'm never right all the time, but <laughs> I, I'll tell you, it's, uh, I always tell people, it's, I always tell my kids, it's like, you know, if you can wake up with passion for mm-hmm. something, that's not be your job. It could be something, could be collecting baseball cards. Yeah. But if you wake up every morning with a passion to do something, you've got a great life. You know what I'm right. saying? So the idea is to have a passion on as many things as you can, because that's the goal. Yeah. So unfortunately, my passion is... You know, running a restaurant. Well, <laughs> so. I mean, not for yeah, not for nothing. If you do a good job at it too, right? It feels good. I mean, right. you're waking up. It's not just about the money. You love to go there and execute, right? Your game plan, right? And this is my game plan every day. And this yeah. is what I do. These are yeah. my challenges. These are the yeah. things I have to deal with. The fires I have to put out. Um, it's it's like a game of chess every day. Every day is different, and you get to use your creative mind, like doing the tiki bar or doing mm-hmm. the food truck. It's uh, it's something creative that you can start. Right. And test you know. and test yourself. Right. Like you come up with a great idea, you want to shift things a little bit, so you make a move and then you deal you, you exactly. deal with whatever comes at you and you see how you react in that. I mean those right. are the deeper levels of when yeah. you get really experienced as an entrepreneur, that's something that you can work on and, yeah. and be cognizant yeah, of. But and yeah, being in the hospitality business also the effect of seeing people happy, enjoying having Correct. a enjoying yeah. the, and you're living through their enjoyment. Right. And that's part of not, what I was talking about. Which is kinda crazy when yeah. you think about it, because I talk to people, it's like, you know, some people say, Oh yeah, I can't wait till Friday and Saturday I'm off work and I'm gonna go do this and this, and I'm thinking, oh yeah, Friday and Saturday is going to be it's uh, going to be busy, <laughs> and I'm going to see the people. Uh, yes. uh, and, yeah. and it's a totally different mindset, you know. Yeah. So that's an amazing. Um, I w- I'd have to, I'd love to see a picture someday of that of the golden era. Uh, yeah, I, I, there must I be something yeah, hanging must, somewhere. Yeah, there must be something. There so is something. a lot of people have come to Kowloon's over the years. Can you tell me about a few people that 
that you've met that have been have made a like a lasting impact? Um, uh, and I'm not just talking about celebrities, but is there anybody that you know that's just walked through those doors randomly and? Well, it, well, there's one guy I remember. Like uh, he was an older gentleman back in the days, but he always had. A, he was was always coming in. Nice old man, and you know I was young back in my twenties back then. And he would say, "Bobby, you know what you gotta do? You gotta go into insurance, sell insurance." And right. he, he kept saying that to me. And he pulls out this pen out of his pocket and says, "You see this? This is my inventory." All right. <laughs> so stop working so hard. Right. Just with some insurance. <laughs> so I'm looking back and I was like, I should have shown insurance. <laughs> you still think of that once in a while? Yeah, once in a while. I say, that guy was right. <laughs> My inventory is this pen. You see right. that? <laughs> uh, that's what I think about when people tell me they're like they're real estate agents. Right. Because you, you, you're making boatloads of money. Right. Um, in a thriving economy, right. but but you don't own anything. You don't. Yeah. You right. don't even take ownership of. You just just you just and writing a, contracts. And a contract, that's it, right. right? You don't even exactly you just sell one house and buy another house. I mean, exactly. it's not that simple. But no, right, right. It's a lot different than managing a restaurant. Right. Yeah. So is that is that is there anyone else that you think that sort of? Well, another person was uh, he actually he was a good friend of mine. He passed though, but he used to, uh, Raphael Oliver. He used to be the general manager of the Top of the Hub. Okay, yeah. And yeah. We'd, we'd be talking sometimes at a, a meeting or something, and he says, Bobby, we're so stupid. I go, why? And he goes, we make things so hard. We have a big kitchen. We have so many moving parts. We're going crazy. My next life, I'm going to open a little stand in a great location, and when customers come up, I'm going to say, vanilla or chocolate. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just make a boatload of money selling ice so, cream. <laughs> he, just wanted to, he just wanted to take all the complexities yeah, out. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and he's right. He's right. He's absolutely right. You know, yeah, we make things more difficult. Yeah, but, we do. Yeah. So it's interesting that you would say that of all the people that you've met, um, because I did, I obviously said celebrities as well, and right. it, it doesn't sound like it was more the celebrity. Like if you own, if you asked an outsider, what would owning Kowloon's be like? You'd be like, well, it's really cool. I'd work the front door. I'd greet everybody. And, you know, every once in a while, a celebrity would walk in. That right. would be definitely like in yeah. the top. Yeah. But for you, it's not. No. Um, how come? Like, why, why, where is, why is that missing? I, I don't know. It's just, I, I, you know, again, we're in the people. We're both in the people business. And I think the people that you enjoy talking to is people that you can relate to. You know, somebody that's, you know, that you, I mean, not that the celebrities are no, not no, no, a no, I know where thing, you're going you know? and I like I, it. I, yeah. I, I, you know, seeing The Rock come in, it's, it's awesome. Right. You know what I'm saying? And people mistake him for me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, no, never mind. Well, this is a podcast. This <laughs> is right, a podcast. Okay, okay. So, so nobody, you can't lie. Nobody okay. knows what we're looking like. Like we look like, yeah. So, um, so, so what you're saying is, and, and this is unbelievable, and this, again, once again, speaks volume to going back to what you said about how you treat your employees. And, 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 and it's another thing to say, no, I'm not, it's not that I don't love to see celebrities. It's just more that I enjoy talking to just my customers right. and seeing them leave with a smile right. more because it's, it's more relatable. Like they come, right. they're coming here to eat. I'm trying my best to put out the best product I can. They're enjoying it and, yeah. and, 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 and what goes along with that. Right. Right. It's almost like New Year's Eve. You see everybody having a great time, and it's like half the population would be the ones that want to party. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, you're working, but. Being doing this for the whole, my whole life, it's like you're seeing everybody have a great time. It makes right. you happy. You know? And it's natural. And for right. you guys, it's just natural that you're you're genuinely in the hospitality business. You guys are right. there to, to greet. I mean, it's not most restaurants you go to, to um, and maybe you can chime in on this, and not to get specific, we won't, but generally speaking, most restaurants you go into, they spend the least amount of time, they've invested the least amount of time in the process of greeting customers. Right. Right, like to them, it's more like a check-in. I'll just let's check in. But there's a lot to be said about the moments that happen at the early stages of dining experience, right. and that's somewhere I think Kowloon's does it better than anybody else. Because when you walk in, there's always someone at the front who's greeting or uh, designating tasks. Someone that's accessible to, to to ask questions to, and and they're responsive. Where when you go to say another restaurant, it, there's sometimes nobody even at the front desk. Is that something that your parents developed early on? Is that part of your family's culture in terms of, and I don't mean um, you know, where you're from, but I mean your family, your intimate family culture. Is that how you guys? I, I don't know so much it was um, a culture. I think it's just that's the way we've been doing it for, you know, my mother and father was always into hospita hospitality, and um, they would know the people's name as they came in. I always was impressed when the people would come in, people would be hugging them and shaking their hands and right. saying hi to them. and. I think that's the part of the business that makes it the hospitality in industry and the business, you know. So um, I think we just carry that forward. And 
It's, and again, we don't, we're not perfect. Uh, oh, nobody know, is. No, I mean, there's going to be people coming of in course. and say, no one was at the front door or something happened wrong. But look, but, I, I look at the, But the, to call a spade a spade, right. I mean, it's almost like you can't even judge. You're not even allowed to make that judgment because you work there. Right. right? Well, and, it's funny. I take every I, complaint like a stab. And it's crazy. Yeah. You can get one complaint right. out of 10. And it ruins my day. Yeah. And it'll consume 90% of your time. Right. And instead of spending 90% of your time focusing on 90% of the reviews right. or you know, right. of what people's right. experience. But I understand and I can appreciate. Uh, Especially people can in the appreciate. family business. Yeah, yeah most so. people can appreciate. If you were, if I was, and I always keep thinking, if I was a manager of that store, I wouldn't care. You know, okay, yeah. sure. You know, I get it. Yeah, okay. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. because you have an investment into it, it's a little bit different. And it's more than just a financial investement. It's an emotional. Right, investment. and that's yeah. the that's the hard part. It's yeah. the emotional. And part. when people, well, we've talked about this in the past in the podcast, but when people leave a review or give you a feedback on a negative experience, if their intention is not to make the business better, then it's just it's just. I know it's it's. It no. should be there, it's, but it's funny. I have I have a, a it's not my own feeling about you know naturally reviews and social media. And you happen to see that I had a flip phone. I said, yeah, I, I'm not. <laughs> he <laughs> I, does. Okay, guys. everybody have a he flip phone. He has a flip phone. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody. It's okay. <laughs> but uh, I never, never. I didn't have my own Facebook page. I don't yep. do social media. The restaurant does. But, um, that's not my. It's I don't not, do it. It's not your mo. Yeah. And I I have a my own idea about social media. It's almost. Naturally, it's good. It's it's a good thing too. Don't get right. me wrong. When yeah. we put the TV bar, we didn't we didn't do an ounce of advertising. advertising. Just social. It just social media went crazy. Right. You know I'm saying, but at the same time, it could be a curse because people could use a form for bullying. And you know, I call it bullying because yeah. if they somebody will say if you I don't call it help, terrorism, yeah, it's terrorism. <laughs> right, sometimes. right. Like yeah. if somebody didn't have a good experience at your place or my place, they'll say, you know, if you don't take care of me, I'm going to tell. I'm going to yeah. put on social media yeah. and I'm going to tell everybody that doesn't even know me, you know. But rather than, and I always tell the old days, people would call up and say, you know, I didn't have a good meal or even better, mm-hmm. but they would let me know at the time of the meal and say. And you would, and you would take care of it. Right. Whether exactly. it's through explanation. It's exactly. not always about giving yeah. something for free. That's right. not the point. It's just, hey, let me right. explain or yeah. let me. And I would more than happy to take care of them. It's really yeah. difficult. And it, let me listen and just yeah. listen. Right. Like if you, if you told me you would, you were going to constructively criticize my business and I could listen and, and, and I could learn from it, right. I would listen every time. Right. right. Exactly. I would want to. And I would want to. And I wanted to have them leave happy. You know, it, it's a little tough when somebody calls and two days later they said, well, you know, by the way, I was there two days ago and I had a tough meal. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And they want their money back. And it's a little difficult. You have to yeah, play it by ear. It's right. almost, so one of those stories I'll say, well, you know, I wish you had said something when you were there. Because yeah. it's kind of like if you went to a steakhouse and you order a steak medium. It came out rare. You came, if you called the restaurant two days later and said, by the way, I had a steak there and it was medium. It wasn't right. the way I wanted it. It's a little difficult. It's you know, difficult because. Please let us know right away. That's exactly. Not, the right. best opportunity for me to grow from this is to right. tell me at the time. Exactly. Because when you wait, it makes me feel like it wasn't that important to you. And it makes you sound like you're just complaining about yeah. something. But, that and may, again, it, it's, you know. Yeah, it could you, be subjective. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, you, you take every criticism as if it's. Right. Because it's you know ninety nine point nine percent it's it's real you know? right it is yeah, so, so or you you try to they say it's real and you try to take care of it well I mean they they are real it's just that what's their what is the point like for right. me if I want to if I want to give some another I've had many about we all have bad experiences at businesses right. Right. the best way to deal with it is to make the decision whether or not you want to continue to do business with them like right. if I have a bad experience at a car dealership then I say do I want to go back there yes or no if I don't then I right. don't and right. that's how I hurt them I yeah. just don't give them my money exactly but if it's so bad that you feel like something has to change right. then you need to reach out to them and say hey listen I was there. This is what happened, and I think you guys need to fix it. I'm right. not going to be buying a car there, but I'm not interested in in, in in you losing everything you have because I had one bad experience. But right. you know what I no, mean. No, oh, we that's our business, and yeah. like I said, I, I take every criticism like it's really to mm-hmm. heart, and that you always try to you know it, you can only do what you can do, and hopefully business is great. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and and you got to keep in, yeah. in, when you're in a place like Kowloon's. Um, it becomes clear pretty quickly that you're doing, you know, you're taking care of your customers yeah. because you don't last that long without yeah. taking care. Of Again, we're not perfect, but no. we try to do the best we can. No. That, and it's a tough business. It's it's a tough. It's business. a tough business. A but tough talk business. to me a little bit about scale because everyone else who's listening to this podcast probably has a smaller business than Kowloon's does in know. terms of size, scale. Okay. You know, like because w- the people that I that that I'm talking about are the guys who own like restaurants, you know, right. even if it's 200 seats, it's big, right. but it's not as big as Kowloon's. What's it like for you and your family to manage the restaurant at that scale every day? Is it 
overwhelming sometimes? Not, well, it, and again, it really goes back to the fact that, you know, growing up in this business and seeing it gradually grow as I was growing up, and that's all I know. So when, you know, people say, how many seats in this place? And, and it always feels great when somebody says, this place is amazing. Like on a right. busy, busy Saturday night, yeah. and somebody that knows business, they this place is amazing. It's a I don't factory. know how you do it. It's a factory. That's why I'm asking. And there's so many moving parts. It's amazing how you guys do it. And it's almost like, it's almost become second nature to me that I don't think of it that way. But from you know? the outside looking in to just, it, it almost seems like it's literally a factory. It's like one of those show, Discovery Channel needs to do like a show behind, like how, you ever see right. the one where they did with the aircraft carrier? And they, they did a documentary showing like all the things that have to happen for an aircraft aircraft carrier it's function. Every little detail. All right. the details, right. like peeling potatoes and, and right. all the work that goes into running an aircraft carrier. Right. That's how I would look at Kowloon's compared to, say, owning a small uh, pizza place right. or a coffee shop. Right. It's so big. How and, many? I mean. Well, I, and again, it's, we have over 200 employees. And I, and all I can, ex, it's hard to explain because I've, I grew up in the business. That's all you know, too. That's all yeah, I know. All, I, know. all I know yeah. is. You know, twelve hundred yeah. seats. All and you know is what most people would call chaos. Right. And I you know, when I first got out of college back in seventy seventy seven. Ninety seven. Seventy seven. The first thing I did was start working in the kitchen, you know, like mm -hmm. one or two days a week, as well as working in the front of the house because this way you get to know. So I'm peeling, you know, onions and all that stuff and you know, you see cases of chicken wings coming in, cases right. of and that's all you know, you know, you know. And if I worked in a smaller restaurant it'd be like probably half of that, if not that, oh, and even less. way less, yeah. And I would think, wow, this is nothing, you know. But because I grew up not knowing mm -hmm. anything else. That's what the standard th that's is. That's the standard. And yeah. so on a Saturday night when it's crazy or New Year's Eve when it's crazy, that's the standard. Right. You know, it's just, okay, this is what we do, and everybody has their job. And again, I can't stress enough that everybody has their job, and they do their job, and that's the, you know, it's... it's uh, well, at that scale, I mean, you every, it's everybody, it's, it's almost like a symphony, all right. the notes have to be hitting uh, right. in tune all the time right. because if they're not, you know, if one guy can mess up all, you know, the whole right. pipeline of, of, right. of stuff. So that system that, that you guys have has been developed and refined right. over so many years. It's second nature to you guys. Yeah. Um, I just out of curiosity, did you, did you ever think about getting into consulting? I mean, when you can operate at that level, operating a small place must just be... E so easy. Um, I I don't know. Never got into consulting. Never got no, into consulting. No, I'm su I'm surprised no. because it such seems like such a like an easy task for you to say, hey, what do you have a 200 seat restaurant? Where are your no, efficiencies? No, it's not. No, it's, no, not. it's not. No, it's not. So, <laughs> once again, it's just because it's you're comfortable in your work. Right, right. Exactly. And I'm not out there to tell somebody else what to do. Well, hired. I mean, right, you, right. you know, they would they would hire you because yeah. you're the expert. Yeah. Um, but. You know, I, I can give advice, but I wouldn't tell them what to do. It's, no. It's, it's not, you know, there's no, it's, it's in business. There's, sometimes there's no. There isn't. There's no path to, guaranteed path to the success. No, I there isn't. Say, but there's, know? and there's a lot of variables. There's right. a lot of factors and you could miss something. But right. I, I believe that there's a set of rules that, that you have to play by. And I think most businesses that are not doing well are just not acknowledging those rules. Right. You know, like creating a culture you know, op operating efficiently, keeping your, your costs low, having the right capital capital at the beginning, right. um, you know, having a long-term plan, learning how to execute and, 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 and compile the data that you're getting. These are all things that are critical. That's right. what I was talking about because right. that those things, yeah. you guys are doing that at such a high level every day. I mean, right. crazy level. Um, so is there a fourth generation? Um, not, not, not really in the pipeline. No, taking no. over. So no, which is fine. There's six of fine. you guys, six siblings, right? And we all, have kids. All of you guys have kids, except for my youngest bro uh, okay. brother. But almost all of you guys have kids. Right. Um, have any of them shown any interest in in the future of Kowloon? Um, not so much the future of Kowloon. I mean, some of us branched off and did something else. One of my nephews, he, he has a couple of food trucks as well, and he's helped oh, set cool. this one up that we did. And uh, that's very cool. That we started up and. Uh, but in terms of actually really interested in the nuts and bolts of running a restaurant, I, I don't... You don't see it yet. I don't see it yet. But things could change. Yeah, and again, it's, it's fine with me because it, it's unless you really love this business, and I always say it to people, they say they always ask me, that's the big question, is who's going to take over? Who's yeah. going to take over? Like, yeah. I'm dead already. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think everybody's really concerned about the long term. Right. They're like, well, you know, we see, you, you know, it's you guys are getting a little older, but right. we, we're worried about the future of Collins. Right, right, who's right, taking yeah, it over? Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and, you know, unless one of, you know, the kids, you know, the next generation really, really loves it because it's a big commitment. It you is. know, yeah. I would say don't do it because you have to give up 
have to and give up. There's six of you guys right, right now doing right. it. You know, you guys. It takes six people to move to move right. that machine. Right. Even if only one or two were interested, that's a big. That's a lot of responsibility for right. two people. Right. Um, it would be a huge undertaking, but. You never know. Sometimes there's right. that one kid in the family who's like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to hire a team. Right. Well, that's, yeah. the, that's, the, that's, you know, uh, and that's the, uh, the only way they do it. I'm looking at, you know, again, through hindsight, you, you were seeing that we're really hands-on, you know. Yeah. Right. And, you know, people can own a business without having to be totally hands-on as long as you have good managers in each position. Kind of like my mother and father did. But no. their managers were their kids. Yeah, I know. That's the, I mean, I that's have the idea. You get six kids and you I get have six many, managers. I have many <laughs> personal family members who yeah. I have a, a personal family that believes that they built an empire in the restaurant business, and they only only they deserve the credit. But they don't realize that at the beginning, yeah, it was their family that right. helped open that store and right. carry the burden of of not having to di- not deal with trust. Right. And right. people that imagine having employees that are you know willing to die for you. Right. You know they yeah. they're willing to work. So, so they're taking all the credit. They're taking like, all the credit like, now. Like, Look but, at me now. Yeah, but like, you don't. No. And that's a, that's, a, that's a big difference. Yeah. That, and that's something that, that modesty goes a long way because really at the end of the day, it's your restaurant, but it's only, it's only a successful restaurant if you, if you acknowledge and take care of the people that help you. Right. And, and, and it's a team effort. It's a like, team effort. Know, so. Right. Yeah. And for you to acknowledge that speaks, speaks a lot about. Um, so what, any long-term future plans on the horizon for, for um, Kowloon's? I mean, I know you guys just redid... Um, you did an outdoor patio, right. which is very well received, right? Right, um, and you just expanded it, right? Last, yeah, this year, uh, maybe possibly next year, we might try to see if we can get it, even make it a little bigger because it was such a big hit this year. Um, the food trucks, we might, we're looking at maybe acquiring another one, one or two more. Awesome! How's the food truck business been treating you guys? It's been very good. Very so are you good. execute? Are you just doing a smaller menu? Yeah, it's much smaller. It's only basically five or six items because you really can't store a of lot course, in that yeah. food truck, but. Yeah. We'll go to, uh, we had a couple of spots in Boston on a, on a weekly basis, and then we do a lot of outside events, whether it's a outside do you think food that, festival or something So the else. brand is must be, it must be awesome to, 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 to hear all the feedback because people yeah. love Kowloon's to right. begin with, never mind, right. you know, to, right. to have a food truck. Exactly. Um, so it's been, it's been a... It's, a, been, it's been fun. It's, it's, been it's a, lot more, a lot more work than I anticipated for a food truck because, um, you know, you think it's a little just self-contained, but... It's a lot of it's labor intensive, you right? Know, cleaning, stocking, inventory, right? And it's a, it's a small business in itself, right? Yeah. Exactly. I like the model. Did you ever think that food trucks would make it this big? I mean, you've seen it all at this uh, point. Well, years ago, I was thinking of having a food truck before food trucks actually came came oh, around. No I'm, I'm talking about in the 80s or 90s. I was saying, geez, we should get a food truck. It wasn't known like as a food can, truck. Like a it canteen. was a canteen. Canteen. Truck. They yeah. call it right? yeah. Roach Coach. Yeah. <laughs> Something like canteen. that. Canteen. There's plenty of Greek guys who've made a very good living. Yeah. And I, I said, I want a canteen truck because I would see something like a canteen truck next to a big office park and people would line up. And I said, that would be great. But I, you know. It just never happened. It never happened back then until my, my nephew started two or three. His brand is called Moisella. Moisella. Right. Okay. They're in Boston. He does a very good job Shout with it. Shout out to Moisella. Shout out to Moisella. Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so, you know, he took that and and he's made a pretty successful business. And I said, that's always what I wanted to do. And kind of like, you know. He's, Got to talking. And- right. And so he, he helped start this one up for the Kowloon and hopefully, you know, we'll see what the future brings. And you guys are like open-minded to, to, to quote unquote expansion. I mean, you right. guys are always looking for ways to get it seems like it. that's been your philosophy, your business philosophy. Right. It's almost part of the culture. Expansion is always part of the Kowloon's culture. Yeah, definitely. I think more now uh, we're looking to expand, but not locations. Right. We're, we're expanding the brand in other ways. So, like the food truck, everything's yeah. going to be based on. Or out maybe of the like a like a frozen product would be an amazing. Ex- thing. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, we're looking. Well, we used to do Fenway Park. We used to be in Fenway Park oh, wow. for a while, and we used to do the Top Sale Fair. So I think we're going to start up more of that type of thing. Where yeah. we're going to. That seems to be what's trending now. People don't want to handle like what's not not you shouldn't, but there are a lot of people who are taking the opinion now. It's like, well, I don't want to go open up a brick and mortar store and right. have. I'd rather go into. Uh, I have enough space here to run my kitchen overnight and, right. and develop, make the products and work my kitchen twenty four hours, make the products and freeze them and sell them at you know right. whatever it is and and. Get deep, sort of like what you said when we started, where you said there have been times in in in, in the recession where you where you button everything up. You spend right. more time looking at your inefficiencies. You right. Start tightening up the doll where they're going. Yep. It seems to be like that's 
the philosophy you guys are always taking when it comes to uh, growth to your right well right yeah how can a, we grow a, without, without without having to go crazy right yes. and i think it has there's a couple of factors you, quite quite honestly you could have I'm sure you guys, if you wanted to, you could have just opened up another Kowloon's, a big, uh, well, big one. Well, we, we always have opportunities to open locations. Of People course. are coming left and right and right. saying, the Kowloon would be great here. Kowloon would be great there. Yeah, well, um, there's a couple of things that kind of like we're, we're thinking about it is, is number one is the labor. Right. You, know, you, can't, you always can't find labor as readily as you used to. So we open a store here. We have to man it. And, right. Uh, and then it's a big undertaking. Right. Very right. big undertaking. And it's a bigger in investment, too. So, yeah. And, you know, and the other thing is, as I get older, it's like, okay, I'm trying to be think smarter. <laughs> That's the way I'm thinking. Correct. You and know? you've afforded, you've right. actually, you've put in enough time to acquire the skills it takes to execute at that level too. Right. Because that's a little more right. difficult to say, yeah. you know, because your brand commands that kind of attention. You can, you can present a product to Fenway Park. Right. You I mean, you have that, that kind of a brand where you right. can, you, you're an option for them. Um, when you have that option, it's a lot easier to to, right. to try something. A lot of little guys right. don't have that option, but it's a very smart thing to do for all business owners to look in in and see where there's room f- to develop more opportunities. Yeah, and for just revenue. look for look for different income streams this, for the restaurant, yeah, right? Exactly. Without having to spend. And one of them is like you said, owning the property. Right. That's another way to generate a, an income from a property is to right. buy the actual physical property. Right. Not easy to do. It takes time, but when you can do that. Yeah. Um, but if you have a kitchen and it's empty overnight. You know, and you own a restaurant. To me, I would be looking for someone who just wants to bake cookies on the side that I could rent it out to, right? <laughs> right. Like, if I own a pizza place and it's got a, uh, it's got the whole kitchen. Well, why can't I sub it out at night to the guy who makes, right. you know, frozen pasta? Because yeah. there's a lot of guys. One yeah. of the gentlemen I had on the podcast. That's what he does. He has a commissary. Really? He makes meals in the commissary. One man show. He's a chef, and then he takes his orders online. Right. He takes those orders. He makes all the food. He puts them in dishes. He delivers them to their home, and they have their meals for the whole week. Wow, that's amazing. It's amazing, yeah. right? But he doesn't have he doesn't have the high overhead cost of, of being on Route 114 or Route 1. He doesn't he have be, to, he could be anywhere. He right. could be anywhere right. and, and um and he doesn't have to buy so imagine now if you didn't have to buy food product in anticipation. Imagine if you got the orders and then you ordered the product. Right. You only bought the product. There's no waste. No yeah. waste. That's right. like me, I have a car de- if I have a car dealership here with 150 cars. Imagine if I never had to buy any of them right. until you bought yours. Right. I had you you took 150 orders and then you bought And then I bought cars, them. So right. that's what he gets right. to do. It's a brilliant move. Right. Um has that ever been something that you guys have thought about? Um, not, not yet. Okay. Um, but but you guys are yeah. open-minded and you think oh, yeah. about stuff like that right. all the right. time. That is, um, that's an amazing thing. And I think that a lot of businesses, if they had the ability to do this, would, would be doing themselves a huge service if they spent a few hours every month. Just thinking about stuff like that, like how do I get better at right. being more, be fi- more efficient? Yeah, right. be- because if you're not like yourself, you're you're naturally that way. You you and your family, you think like that naturally. Now, most people are not thinking like that. They're just trying to get through the day to day operations. Yeah. Well, there's some days that's all we try <laughs> to do. <laughs> well, I so, mean, for the most part, we're not that smart. Right. <laughs> Sometimes being lucky is better than smart. <laughs> yeah, pro- maybe, maybe you're right. Um, so. The, f- the future of Kowloon's r- right now weighs in the fate of, of your generation. Yeah, being lucky, that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. No, I appreciate it. some insight. I really appreciate um, it. For everybody who doesn't know, uh, Bobby's here from, from Kowloon's on uh, Route 1 in Saugus. And um, 70 years? 70 years 70, next year. 70 yeah, so years. So we're going to have a big bash. So be sure to buy our tickets. We'll, send, we'll, we'll do some big fundraiser. Yeah, um, for sure. And we'll, we'll be sure to follow it on Facebook. So everybody, thanks for chiming in and listening.